Hey again, travel bosses. I'm excited to bring you this week's sponsor, TripStreak, the smarter travel search. What I love about TripStreak is the ability to set your personal preferences to either have or avoid red-eye flights or have things like completely lie-flat seats. So the next time you need to book a flight, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 172 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here with William McGuire, all the way from Ireland. All the way from Gran Canaria, actually, today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, so actually, that's actually a big reason why I wanted to talk to you, but let's get a little bit of backstory. Like, did you grow up in Ireland or where are you from? Yeah, yeah. Irish, true and true. Grew up in Ireland, you know, stayed in Ireland pretty much till I was 22, 23, till I graduated college. I had a little trip to America for J1. It's like Irish guy is gonna kids just go over, kind of work for the summer. You can have this visa at Team with America. Um, and that kind of gave me the appetite, I guess, for, for travel. But when I went back from America, I started working a bit more online and that kind of opened up, obviously, uh, the whole world to me to go around. So you moved to America? Uh, no, I actually just went over for like three, three months. Okay. For, for what? To Chicago. Just, yeah. And it's a, a lot of, it's a kind of a thing in Ireland that basically you take the summer out and you go over to America and you work, you party, you have fun and just see a completely different world for what we're used to, I guess. But for me, when I went over there, it was brilliant. I had a great experience, but afterwards I was kind of like really motivated to do a bit more traveling after college. That's cool. I think we kind of do the same, but we go for three days. Three days? Just get really drunk in Dublin <laughs> and then go back to the US and forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah I did the 23 years of that before heading to America. So. Yeah, but that's cool. I think that that's cool that that's like a tradition for for people. W- were the visas pretty easy to get? You see, if that's the kind of the thing. It's like if you're a student in Ireland, there's like a relationship with America that we get this J1 work visa. So it's like a kind of a privilege, I guess. So a lot of us take it up, and you know they they go to different cities: San Diego, Chicago, San Francisco, and everyone comes back with their own stories, their own experiences. And uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I recommend any Irish guys or girls listening to definitely do it if you get the chance. And so what is the upside for America? Is it just to get like cheap labor for the summer? or? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it's just, it, it's a cultural program. Obviously, the countries have a good relationship, America and Ireland. Like what we end up doing a lot of like tourist work, you know, working cafes, working in restaurants and, you know, new experiences and that. But we're, we're a small country, so it's not like a million of us are heading over. It's like a couple of thousand or I don't know the numbers, but it's not, it's not a lot of us heading over. And about 900 actually go back to Ireland and the other ones stay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to keep that off the, the podcast. <laughs> uh, hi to my friend Luke Horgan. Uh, still out there. <laughs> I miss you, buddy. <laughs> Went out there after college. Yeah, right back. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see that. <laughs> so I was just in Ireland two months ago. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Uh, that's it, man. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about it. So like just anyone listening to this, if you try to have a conversation with Johnny, He's just like, hold up, hold up. I got the microphones, you know, so I can only actually yeah. get him in a room like this. But uh, yeah, man, tell me what it's like. I was saying to you, I, cause growing up in Ireland and I love the country and I definitely love it after going back after traveling even more. I just not, haven't actually done the whole tourism thing in my own country, you know, like going to this place. I haven't even been to Northern Ireland. So I'd love to hear like what you got up to and what's your recommendations in my own country. <laughs> well, that's funny that w- what you mentioned earlier, just in the beginning is that I told you, let's save this for the podcast. Yeah. Is because 
I, I really like to keep these podcasts like just really authentic about things that we would just chat about anyways. Mm-hmm. And this podcast just kind of allows other people, wherever you guys are sitting in the world, to just eavesdrop in and be like, okay, I'm traveling with these guys, hanging out, sharing stories. So I went to Ireland, I think it was, yeah, just like just about two months ago because my buddy Sam Marks wanted to do this walk. <laughs> he had this crazy idea where he wanted to walk from Dublin all the way to Galway. Yeah, that sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> which I think would have been crazy. But then we had another a German guy tag along and he's like, oh, well, why, why walk on this on this like highway where it's boring? Why don't we go down this uh, hiking path called Wicklow Way yeah. and then you know go west? And it sounded green on paper and <laughs> until you start walking for eight days and you're exhausted. We, we do have transport. If anybody's listening in and haven't been to Ireland, we do have public transport and cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is optional. <laughs> it, it was, it was amazing. I, I would yeah. say I'm sure most of the listeners have listened to podcasts. I have a video that I actually filmed over the eight days where we walked. Basically, we started in Dublin, spent the night there, went to Temple Bar, wow, had, yeah. had, had a couple of pints. Woke up in the morning and Guinness? we, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Right. Uh, actually, I, I probably had more Guinness <laughs> in those eight days than I have my entire life combined. That's like eight euros a pint as well, right? It's pretty expensive, yeah, right? It's, it's, uh, that's just for you guys, right? <laughs> but the, I think the only good thing about it is you can just have one or two Guinness and you're, you're, you're done drinking for the day. You think so? <laughs> maybe not Irish people. Yeah, man, that's where I struggle with. I have to kind of, after being away and maybe the European culture is completely different, but a couple, it's a couple of drinks in Ireland is, is more than a couple of drinks in Europe. Let's just say that. But definitely for Guinness is a, yeah, I love a good Guinness. Yeah. So pretty much what we do is we would walk every day through kind of the Wicklow mountains for about 20, <laughs> 25k and we would end up in this little tiny village, usually with, you know, like, one shop, one pub, <laughs> the one, shop one restaurant. Shop yeah. And we would have a pint of Guinness yeah. and then pass out. Oh my God. Could just from the, actually the, the, you're so tired, right? Yeah. Exhausted. We have, we had our packs on our back, but it was fun. It was, it was nice seeing not only the countryside, like the beautiful yeah, trees, absolutely. the animals, all the sheep. <laughs> yeah. Hey, leave my neighbors out of this. But like, did you get the weather for that? That's the thing I'd be, I'd be more concerned about, you know? So we went in summer. So technically, it would have been great. It's like the perfect time. There's no such thing as summer in Ireland. I don't know. It's it's a week in April, I think. Most of the, or it's the the leaving cert results, our exam results, our exams. When we're doing our exams, that's when the summer tends to come yeah, out. I've heard that as yeah. well. <laughs> but what's crazy is we we had probably five really good days. It was yeah. sunny. It was beautiful. It was green. And then we had two two or three days where it was just piss raining for seven hours. I take those. Though. I take those odds. Like that's that's one thing I definitely. Me and my friends have had the conversation so many times where, like, on a sunny day in Ireland, it's like the most perfect place on earth. Like you know, there's green everywhere. You know, you get your friends you go to the beach, and we just love it. It's just the other 360 days that I kind of like. You know, the weather can't be um always that good. You know, but um yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I guess it's a little bit harder time as well because to to be honest. You, you, what you said is exactly right. On the beautiful days and sunny days, I was like, Ireland is great. I should just move here. <laughs> and then when you, when you have an entire day of rain and it's gloomy, people get depressed. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I heard that. And um, my girlfriend's actually from Germany and she's kind of just like, hey, does everyone just not get depressed when it rains all the time? But I found like that maybe is a spark for some of our creativity. Like uh, you see a lot of Irish like musicians. There's a big culture of music and arts there. And like I'm a big believer that 
from that like rain and the gloom what every other country might seek from the outside like that kind of gets us into like maybe the sessions the trad sessions the music so we kind of make the best of it i'm sure you've maybe found out with irish mentality it's very kind of positive in you know, a like making the best of the situations and stuff yeah but, um, actually I, I did notice and everyone's super friendly yeah it's like, true it's true like it's like over the top friendly uh, yeah, I wouldn't say, I'd say, like, for us, Americans are over the top friendly a little bit. It's a different type of friendly, I guess, but like, yeah, Irish people, I, I, I'm really friendly <laughs> when I go abroad, I realize that we apologize for everything. You know, like, we bump someone in the street, we're like, sorry, sorry, and if it's not even our fault. But I remember when I went away first for a long year and I went back, I was just like, everyone's like so happy. And they're like, you know, the guy at the border control is like, welcome home, William. And I'm like, oh, he says my name. And it was just like really actually warm to come home to. But it's true. I I think everyone's told us this before. And it's so amazing to even come back to the country and just experience it for yourself as well. Definitely. So I don't. I don't want to make this podcast about Ireland. I don't know. I'm why. sure I we can talk about it. The Irish tours and board. If there's a <laughs> check in the mail, there, please. Thank you very much. But the one last thing I have to ask about Ireland, everyone's wondering. Go ahead. What do you think about Conor McGregor? Conor McGregor, man. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, is this my gun? No. Like, yeah. Absolutely. I. I love him. I'm a big fan. Like, we. I. We've. We've been following him. Uh, Irish people, I think, have generally been following him since day one because it was such a novelty having like an Irish guy in this UFC, like representing like an individual sport. We have like a lot of team sports, but um, I'm a big fan and he actually, I think like obviously he can be pretty brash in some of his interviews, but if you ever see his one-to-one interviews, I think he's so articulate, like he comes across so articulate especially compared to some of the the american and other sports stars who maybe don't have the the mic skills i think it's called and what i personally love about him to be honest is when you see like cnn or or not cnn but espn interviewed him and he's kind of making like irish jokes and in in jokes that our country would get but they don't you know just go straight over their their head and um for us it's quite funny just to see the irish culture or irish jokes kind of you know, go around the world, but um, yeah, I'd be interested. What what do you guys think of him? He's obviously making making waves. Is if you're bringing him up, yeah. yeah. So I've actually been a fan of him from day one of him being in the UFC. Are you, are you into MMA? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge MMA. I'm, fan a, I'm obviously fan. like a bandwagoner, so I've been into it since Conor McGregor's been into it. So um, well, that's, that's cool true. that he brought so many people there. And actually, what's crazy is I think it was his first fight, maybe first or second UFC fight in the US, and it was I think it was in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Boston, and, I think. I think it was Boston. Maybe, maybe the first. I don't. I, I don't remember. But I remember there was one of one of those fights, one of those early fights where the audience was something like fifty percent <laughs> Irish, <laughs> and, at, at and, least, <laughs> and not just like Irish people that live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but something like three thousand people from Ireland flew from Ireland, took off time of work or school, and flew to. The U.S., another <laughs> freaking country across the Atlantic Ocean, to go to this fight. It's absolutely true, and 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 uh, very early in his career, like we were like our country wasn't exactly booming at the time. We were in like a recession, you know, um, or we're just coming out of it. So it wasn't like there was like a lot of disposable income going around to do these. But it's it, it's massively true that we do really follow our teams. I'm not sure do you know much about football or soccer, but like we're known as like amazing supporters for that. And the McGregor thing, I think the whole world is seeing it, and I think that's what makes us so proud. And I can tell you straight out, like. Most Irish people don't really care about the result of this this fight. They're going over there to support their guy. They're, they're going to have a good time. You'll be you'll be here in ole ole, whatever the result. They've already kind of won. Just the, it's just an experience for them to go over there. Wait, what is ole ole? I thought that, that sounds Spanish. Yeah, so like, so Irish have the fathers in their letters as well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna claim that it's, it's I think it's it's Mexican, yeah, right. But it's Irish. I think we went. 
this could be complete horse crap, but um, we went to USA in 94 in the World Cup, and I think we learned it there, or before that. But um, yeah, it's just ole, 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 ole. Yeah, that's ole. Definitely, you, you will, that's you will hear that. You will definitely hear that. You'll definitely hear that the whole fight, I think, like that. So you guys just like heard it at, at a sports match? No, no, I'm not going to say and that. And I, I, I don't want this documented. I'm going to claim that. When I grew up, I, I heard the first the World Cup, and I, I I think we came back with it from that. But it's been it's been it's just it's known as the Irish song. It's known as a Celtic and Irish song. That is so funny. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, any predictions on Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor? Yeah, McGregor in two if it's eight ounce gloves, and McGregor in four if it's ten ounce. Right? Um, oh, you really th- you think he's gonna knock, knock out Floyd Mayweather? Forty nine and oh. No, I'm just not gonna be on record dissing him because. Um, <laughs> Honest, honestly, what I got, I got like, if I was to really like think logically, because I think everyone's doing this in their heads, right? Everyone's just thinking like, oh, but imagine if and all this. And we're, you know, I'm, I'm actually flying home for the fight. Uh, I haven't seen my friends in a long time. So I'm, I'm hooking up with my friends going and we're just going to watch the fight. I'm looking forward to that. You, so you're fly, you're flying. I'm from- flying from Kiev. It's going to cost me a shitload of money. Sorry if I can't kind of yeah, no, this. It's going to cost me a shit ton of money, but it's just like, I haven't seen my friends in a while. This is like the perfect, like we used to watch even Mayweather against Ricky Hatton and just, we used to stay up for these big fights, but I'm flying home just to um, experience it. You can imagine that. Yeah, it's like I'm actually going to spend a shitload of money just to get home and experience it with my friends. Never mind getting to, to Las Vegas or whatever, you know? Just because it's like, it's just one of those it's a landmark moment uh, for Ireland. Honestly, it's a landmark moment, I think. And like, I wouldn't miss it. But yeah, for the prediction, like, yeah, we want him so bad to win. I want him so bad to win. But I, I got a feeling for four rounds, he's just going to be like confusing. You're getting a few hits and probably that people don't expect. Um, and just giving it all. And I just got a feeling after that, like, uh, Mayweather will start picking him off and he'll maybe gas out just a little bit. But I think it's going to be more respectable. Um, whether that's authentically respectable, you know, Mayweather might like be picking him off and then, kind of ease off a little bit but I think he's going for the first four rounds it's going to be so interesting and then it's just going to be like anything can happen in those four rounds I think the longer the fight goes on Mayweather's going to pick him off I don't think Mayweather's going to knock him out I think Mayweather might retire him with body punches or something like this yeah what, what do you think of this whole Malinaji have you been following that the whole Malinaji side of things I, I don't know what that is yeah. oh the he, he knocked out yeah there's a big controversy down the other boxer yeah. pushed or something yeah like I that. mean they're jumping on anything at the moment, right? High yeah, players. I mean, here's the thing is, here's a lot of lessons to be learned from this, whether you're boxing fans or McGregor fans or maybe other fans at all. Some, some of you listening might be like, what the heck are these guys talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's a couple things that I like really apply to everyone is one, it's so cool being in our position, being digital nomads mm-hmm. or being location dependent, where we even have the option to first off, even be in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. And then second, fly back to ireland which is literally as far like we are as far east in europe as possible and you're gonna fly basically as far west in it's not even in europe it's the, it's the uk yeah i just i realized that now when i start looking at the flights home but um yeah it's, it's quite funny because how we kind of met as well was when i when i found out i was going to go to ukraine a friend uh, said there's something happening here and i wanted to meet him I, I was like, Kiev, right? It, it's not on my radar you know and i've been to the, obviously a lot of places at this stage with kiev and i'm um, like I like, I love podcasts. So that was actually the first thing I did. I went into like the iTunes podcast player, typed in Kiev, uh, and your one came over. And uh, to be honest, it kind of relaxed me a little bit because it was like so cool because I know you guys have been to places that I've been to. So it's like, oh, you can compare it to that where it fits. And it kind of just eased, I suppose, any anxieties you have about going to a completely new place. And, you know, day one, I met you actually. I was introduced to you and I was like, oh my God, that's the, I was introduced to you as you're my idol, right? Cause I listened to you in the podcast, but, um, I wouldn't go as, yeah, you're, you're my idol, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are you are right now but yeah it was uh, it was such a great resource honestly i think that's the thing where when you're making podcasts like these you're actually already like 
it's the people who are going to consume this and maybe come to Kiev like a month or two later. And I, for me, it was like last week, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm going. It sounds, it sounds legit. And I have, it's two days, but it's definitely a great impression so far. It's exciting. I think that's crazy that people are starting to search in like the iTunes podcast mm-hmm. store or on their, po- their podcast app. Yeah. Like they would search in Google for something. Because I'm sure if you, if you, let's say you Googled Kiev in Google, Googled Kiev in Google, <laughs> you would have gotten a bunch of random sites that really so aren't going to give you the information that you want, you know, and maybe if you do it on YouTube, you know, you can, you'll get slightly better information, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it might just be showing you like, you know, other random videos about the, the city or tourism or news, or whatever it is. But the fact that you searched in the actual podcast app or in the iTunes store, I think it's almost almost like opening up a whole new kind of way that people find content. Right. Because like you're working content, you're working marketing, digital marketing, online business. And um, so have I have a lot of experience over you know seven, eight years now. And you, you, you kind of know what the world is like. And it's like you get filters for where to look for content. You know, I'm not going to start Googling Kiev top 10 things to do. And it's obviously some sponsored article maybe or some, you know, first page ad or whatever. But over the time, I realized that people do. I'm, a, as I said, a massive fan of podcasts. I have like little, you know, my sports podcasts, my kind of entrepreneur podcasts. Well, I realized that people kind of take the time to do podcasts and who've been around for more than like seven or eight episodes, which is a key thing as well. You know, they stuck to it. They're actually kind of putting time into what they're doing and also, they have like a reputation at that stage. They're not going to just blow the reputation over some garbage piece of information, you know, because they want to, if they're doing a hundred podcasts, they're like want to be keeping the quality high to maintain their listeners. So it was like, right, I need, this is happening so fast. So I was like, I'm not going to spend all day on the computer researching Kiev. You know, I've done things like that before. And I was like, just give me the lowdown of Kiev. And I was like, I was, I was lucky. Yeah. I was lucky that there was like, um, some guy who's been like, you guys who've been, it was with X, X, I think yep. your friend X came across as a really good guy as well. But you've been to places as well that I've been to and 20, I think it was like half an hour to 40 minute podcast, but it was just like high quality. All the kind of questions that I have in my head about the people, the, the language. I think you were saying about the language about Russian and Ukrainian and just like, filling in the blanks in my head and straight to the point half an hour is like you know and then obviously after this, you, you google a little bit but um it's all just backing up what you guys say so did you uh, so you came here for a, a basically a job offer not, not so much uh, yeah i wouldn't say i hate the word job i don't do jobs i'm an entrepreneur um no uh like I, I work with my friend Shad actually online. We do a lot of like, I do a lot of analytics and kind of digital marketing work with e-commerce companies originally. But we've been kind of, me and him have been in contact for the last year. We might, might sometimes we'd work on a project together. Sometimes I might be full and I'd hand a project to him. We have that relationship, but we've developed like really cool kind of growth hacking is the buzzword, technical marketing skill set of like, you know, we can program, we can design, we can write just kind of a little bit all rounder, but specialized with the technical side. And. What it is an opportunity to work with blockchain companies, and it's just such a new niche. It's, for me, it's so exciting. And it's just he said, "Come over here, check out these companies, and see if you want to do some work with them." Um, it's not like I'm retiring being a digital nomad. It's just you know as well, like you like to do face to face interviews. You know, sometimes you just need to do some things face to face, meet the people, kind of do you start a few projects, and then you can always do them because it's digital work. You can do them while you're traveling. I'm actually due to go on a cruise next month in the end of September. So that's why I decided to come so quickly. So I could do all the meetings, you know, find out how is Kiev and everything like that before I head off. That definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of starting projects in person as well. That's actually why my buddy Chris is out here mm-hmm. where we are creating version two of my 
affiliate course, Ernest Affiliate, that's coming out soon. Awesome. And he's doing like the back end marketing, you know, installing the Facebook pixels and setting up all that stuff, Absolutely, which yeah. I'm terrible at. Yeah, that's why I got had to, that, a lot of people are terrible at. That's why I had a job, I guess, or, you know, clients for so long and they just don't want to be thinking about that. It just takes up so much mental space. And when someone's doing it every day, like you, you'd have to do this maybe twice, you know, two businesses. But when I'm doing this every day for clients, it just comes like clockwork, you know, where a lot of people only have to do it once. So that's where kind of our value offering was originally. But, um, I like, yeah, so face to face, what we're compared to maybe Slack or instant messaging, like where do you see like the big well, advantages? I don't even have Slack. So yeah? I, I hate text messaging. Yeah. Nice. I tell everybody that I work with, I said, Send me one email a day. Yeah. Have it be a summary of everything you're talking like, about. Getting your attention the whole time. Yeah, it's that? annoying. Yeah. I just it, to me, it's, it's <laughs> so really true. annoying. Like I tell people, like message me if it's something that you need, you need to answer to like this second, mm-hmm. and then like the second message should be let's FaceTime or let's meet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's actually that's interesting. Like I, I actually um. It, it drives me crazy sometimes with Slack with some teams who haven't, uh, I'm someone like, you know, this deep work where you just block out everything for half an hour, put on half an hour and just focus on what you need to get done. Like I'm a big fan of that and I've been definitely guilty of just leaving Slack on and responding. And I think it's just look, what you're saying there sounds to me like you're reacting instead of reacting to lots of messages and then deciding whether they're important or not. You're just like, look, send me one email a day. I'll execute it. You think, okay, which is important here and then try to them and focus on the stuff that I, I need to be focusing on. Yeah. And you're, you're kind of like, you're in, Bootstrapping what you're building right now, right? Yeah. Cool. How far away Bo- is it? Bootstrapping in, in the UK. Yeah. No, no, yeah. not a bad place to bootstrap so far. I've been impressed with everything I've seen. Like for the, for the value wise, it's definitely, um, definitely good value. Like how far away are you? So basically I'm refilming my entire course here, which, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, the first, the first time around took me, I think three months to build the site and film all the content. Yeah. But this year, this time, because it's more of a refresh of everything, I just, and I know exactly what I want to talk about this time and what order it's, I'm banging it out so fast. I've been recording a new module every single day and it's like 24 modules. So I think I can get, I, I think I already have like 15 videos recorded in the last two weeks. And then the last part is always hardest. Like we have to make the sales video because that, that you actually have to like spend a whole couple of days planning. Absolutely, yeah. And then the marketing part of it. And so the goal is before I leave Ukraine to have it up and running to, to kind of ha- have the sales coming through, have it all pretty much automated. That way people can find the course, join it, get remarketed to if they don't, didn't buy it right away. And then I can just kind of go on maintenance mode for two months and just Absolutely. relax. So like actually my um, previous kind of position was uh, I was a part of the team at measureschool.com. I had a mentor there, I guess, who kind of like I was his apprentice and he just taught me everything he knew. Uh, Julian Wenman. He's my mentor. I should really know how to speak his name by now, but it's a German name. But like, it was exactly that. We actually made courses for technical marketers on like Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. So these are kind of like, you know, complicated abstract topics. And our job is similar, you know, turning something kind of complicated in people as you said are scared of and I don't even want to think about it to, as you know, like everything that was becoming more data driven, you need to kind of validate what you're doing. And it was the same thing, you know, it's like you, oh, we just launched a new course, you know, but then you're like, okay, we have to come up with what's the most important. And I'm sure you want to cover everything, but then that's the filter of what's the most important. And then when you get the course, you have to record the course and, you know, you make a mistake, you leave the mic on, the, the, the it doesn't sound good. You might have to do that a few times. And then when you have the content ready, it's like the marketing is a whole new thing. You know, you have to get it maybe in front of it. We did an early bird audience. Are you, are you doing something similar? Just letting a few people in earlier to see what it's like, or is it just the full, the full Monty launch? I'm, I'm kind of the type. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm, I think what I'm going to do is 
I'm going to release it before it's actually public available. Mm-hmm. I'm going to re- give, I'm basically going to give a free upgrade to everyone who bought Ernest Affiliate oh, awesome, into yeah. the new course. Okay. And then they can not only be like the, the, I don't want to say beta testers because yeah, it should be, it should be complete by then, but they can go through the course first because it'll be a smaller mm-hmm. audience. And then they can let me know if there's anything wrong, if anything needs to be added. Even missing videos, like technical things, not even the quality of the content. It's yeah. just like well, yeah. things well, like, like for example, one of my videos, I was like, why is this 30 minutes long? <laughs> and I realized, that there was like one piece of a uh, text that was like 15 minutes course, after it yeah, ended. yeah, exactly. And I'm like, so then I had to be, luckily I could just edit and re-upload it. But little things like that, I think, you know, are kind of nice to have a smaller group for. Do you mind if we get into a bit of geek marketing talk yeah, or technology talk? So like, what's your stack looking? Are you using, what's, how are you, where are you hosting the course? What kind of website you're using? And so currently Ernest Affiliate is on, it's on WordPress. The sales page is on WordPress. Mm-hmm. The sales video is hosted on YouTube as an unlisted yeah. link. But then once they click add to cart, that goes to Samcart. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> which then uses Stripe yeah. to collect the payment and PayPal, which I'm trying to get rid of because I can't stand mm, PayPal. True. And then once they buy it from Stripe, it goes back to Samcart that triggers a, I think it's a wishlist member something where it makes them account in the WordPress backend and then they get access to the course which then the videos are then hosted on Vimeo Pro so they only run on my domain behind the paywall and then the discussions are on this crappy PHP forum which is terrible <laughs> and then like it's so complicated everything keeps breaking every time WordPress has an update one of the one of the apps has an update it breaks the whole thing again and this is why I haven't really been pushing the course. Yeah, just because so I'm like, yeah, yeah. how did we do this? Just even as like, I've had to um, do analytics and tracking. So like a normal kind of project for me, maybe over the last year was someone come in, they're launching a course or launching maybe e-commerce and they want to know, are people buying it or where they're, they're marking, you know, which sources of traffic are working. And just, I go in and make sure everything's kind of tracking correctly. And just the sound of that is just a nightmare. You know, you're looking at three or four different platforms, WordPress, obviously YouTube is the lead uh they go to Sam card, is it? Sam card. Sam card. Yeah. You found it out? Is that, that working okay? It, it was just way you... better than what I had before. <laughs> yeah. yeah but then, then I guess like uh, you, one part of you is probably thinking, oh, I, I, there's some simple way to do this. And the other part is just like, oh, I already figured out 80% of the problems. I just need to get it done. No, no, at no. Stage. From, yeah? I, like, as soon as I set it up, I'm like, uh-oh. This works, but never again. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So this time around... What about like those Teachables? Sorry to jump in. Well, but per- Teachables, exactly. WordPress, uh, what's Teachables. There's a few of them going around, I think, yeah. So I, I'm using white label Teachable this time. Okay, good idea. I just like, I'm a big fan of Lifter LMS. It's actually free. It's a WordPress plugin, but that's for kind of content learning management system. I'm big into like the... I, I work with so many like, educational companies. I'm really into like EdTech and this whole... You know, learning, learning online, because I've learned everything myself actually online through courses like these. But, um, we used Lift, we used Lifter LMS at Mentor School after going through the same kind of journey of you, you know, trying things, things breaking, even taking out videos and swapping videos. But, um, so you, you've actually stuck with, uh, white label teachable for this one. Yeah. So this one, everything's going to be on white label teachable, which means the sales video is going to be hosted on, on their platform. Mm-hmm. When you click add a cart, it's, it's their platform that the payment process is still, is still Stripe, which course, is fine. Yeah. But then it's, you know, then they see it, they make an account, the discussions are built in yeah. to Teachable, the videos are hosted in Teachable. So it just sounds so much simpler, right? So I think the only kind of external things would be the email autoresponder, which is fine. And then we'll have like a private Facebook group, which is fine. But then I think most of it, 99% of it is going to be within Teachable. 
So, so far, I'm really excited about it. I can't give him my recommendation yet because it's not live. Mm -hmm. But as soon as it's been up and running for two months, I'll probably write a full review on it. Nice. And um, just uh, this is your second course launch, right? Yeah. And did you learn a crap load after your first one? Yeah, yeah, time. yeah everyone does, right? It's yeah. always better. It's so much. It's not. It's always better the second time. It's scarier because you try probably be a bit more ambitious and you're obviously trying to take everything to the next level. But um, is there a third one on the way afterwards? No, I just no, got to no, scale off the experience. This yeah, is, this, I'm done. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll update the course. Yeah, I'll update the course. But yeah, I have no desire to have like multiple courses. I yeah. think I just want this to be like kind of the one over kind of compassing course and that's it and that's the approach we took as well we kind of just went for the whole all-encompassing course and then maybe for that that was like our big big ticket i guess and then for that we broke it down into little bits of information it's a bit in uh, videos we do weekly videos of things we mightn't have covered in the course but then always that course is so valuable because it has everything covered you know some people might find more value but insights into like the last last half or the last few modules and as long as it's there it's, it's good it sounds it sounds it sounds exciting it sounds draining just looking at johnny now he looks like he's putting a lot of work into it yeah. um it's interesting cool. but it's fun and you know I, I think it's exciting and i think a lot of people are, are wondering right now they're like how did you guys even learn all this stuff because it sounds complicated you know i think this might be over a lot of people's heads is, is this one of the reasons actually why you want to head off to grand canaria after it's for like a holiday yeah, break yeah it's like maintenance mode i mean wow. the way i've always worked mm -hmm. is i'll work for two to three months in growth mode or building mode, which is like eight to 10 hours a day. And then I'll take two or three months in maintenance mode where I'll just work for maybe two hours a day at the most and just kind of log in, make sure everything's okay, but not really grow anything. Yeah. You see, that's, that's something like when you're working, I think, I think when you're starting off, right, just making money is so exciting, just working and uh, getting good at what you do is like exciting and rewarding in itself, you know, but it's definitely like one of my dreams was, you know, to work really hard for like six months of the, part of the year and then to like, you know, go off, live life and travel kind of carefree for the other six months. And you, the thing is, you could probably do it like, you, you know, if you get your money right and your budgeting right even now, but it's just getting in a position to do it. But I've actually, I kind of do that whole 12 week year thing, you know, like three months, just this is what I'm doing for the, this is why Kiev is such a bell curve because I had my whole like three months plotted out. But that's, I guess, one of the benefits is just being able to pick your laptop and you know exactly how to go and travel, right? You do it so much, you get used to it. But um, yeah, I like to do the three months. It, it gives you this like deadline of getting out of bed, getting stuff going and not this feeling like, oh, you know, everything can wait another day and everything can wait another day and then it never happens. You know? Yeah. And also it, it doesn't burn you out because you yeah. know this is temporary. This is just going to be for 12 weeks. Uh, have you had problems with that in the past with burnout? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. And, and not 12 weeks, sorry. Not even, is it 12 weeks? Yeah, 12 weeks. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. I, I like at the, tw if something is going to be forever, mm -hmm. after, you know, you can be excited for it for a week, two weeks, a month, so two true. months, but then eventually you kind of just like, I can't do this everyday hardcore forever. It's like burning the candle with both, on both ends. Absolutely. Yeah. So me knowing like, okay, once this project's done, then I can just kind of, Go back to scuba diving for a while, oh, cool. chill a bit, you know, maybe lay on a beach, you know, and then it, it kind of almost kind of encourages me to work harder now for that day to come faster. Absolutely. And that's actually something I, I went through as well, where I was so excited by the work. I was so excited by I'm actually doing this, you know, I'm traveling, I'm making money and I was working really hard. Like you're, you know, you're working 10, 12 hour days because you don't, 
if you're working like a freelancer as well, you don't know where your next daughter is going to come from. And in, in Ireland, you, know, you kind of just tell up to like, if there's workers there, take it, etc. But afterwards, I think after a while, I had a bit of that burnout where I didn't have the other things in life that I enjoyed doing. And maybe in college and maybe when I was back home in Ireland, like even just going playing football, going to the sports. And I found that maybe in Las Palmas because I had that like, I'm not saying Spanish are lazy or the, the islanders are lazy, but they're, they're pretty relaxed. They have a good lifestyle. Trust me. They have like, they have a very good mindset. I will. Yeah. They have a great mindset in life as in they just enjoy it you know and they, they work but they're relaxed and they, they do different things and i found that i couldn't help kind of get into the society you know you do the beach volleyball you do the soccer and it was such a great balancing for me because i guess i'm like that type a personality you know work hard try hard ambition and it, instead of softening me it just kind of made me better at that you know made me like i was enjoying life more i didn't feel like work was work it just felt like oh this is what i do during the day and then i'll have something to look forward to at the end of the day so did yeah. you feel like it made you work less or do you think you still worked the same amount during the day but you just had a better way of relaxing and unwinding when you get off see hours like i'm not a big fan of like hours as a determinant of work you know because it's productivity i guess and you could just spend like eight hours in front of a computer and the last two hours is just nothing you know and your your mind's burnt out so in, in in las palmas i just found that i was in a higher energy state because it was like it's so it's you know it's the opposite of ireland it's like 25 degrees every day it's beautiful weather you know you couldn't help start getting into the sports and the running every day a little bit and i just had more energy that when i did work for like six hours like it was really good it was like i was enjoying it I was talking on the phone a lot you know as as you have to do being location independent but like those six to eight hours were really good they're really high quality and then afterwards i still had energy to go on and go do stuff with my friends you know go to do different sports and i found that and i probably didn't have that before where i used to kind of do the whole weekend thing you know you work for 12 hours you're burned out at the end of every day you might throw on some tv and then uh, and this is even as you said like a digital nomad you know you think you're living a dream but you're, you're still working hard to kind of have that dream i guess but and then you went for the weekend nearly to come and then you're like oh wait isn't this the whole thing you're trying to get away from a little bit but um yeah i found that i got a great life balance and hopefully i'll be able, i'm taking that here to kiev as well you know it's not like I'm sure you, you take a little bit of every place you've been to away with you. You learn about yourself. You learn, oh, I like this. You know, maybe in Las Palmas, people weren't as ambitious and hungry as they might be here. But um, they definitely had a really good quality of life. And I hope to take that with me. With me. I like that. And I also like that you stress the fact that it's not about the amount of hours you work, but how mm-hmm. productive you are Absolutely. during that time. So how did you end up in... Grand Canary or Las Palmas. Actually, where, what Hi. is the Grand Canary Islands? What is Las Palmas? Yeah. Okay. So in short, right? Like me and my girlfriend, we've traveled quite a bit. We've, we, I went to Taiwan out in Asia, East Asia or Taipei, lived there for about a year and a half. And I've started off English teaching. Then I started doing kind of like marketing and design work out there. Okay. So, so pauses. So mm-hmm. this was, you, you went from Ireland to Taiwan. Yeah. Like I, it was quite crazy actually. Right. So. We, yeah, I love, I, I never get to, you never really talk to people. Obviously, because my girlfriend's been with me actually a lot of this time. I never really had to tell someone what I did before. But, um, yeah, I went, I graduated from college, right? Where we had this, I had, with a few friends, we planned this kind of Asian trip, you know, to China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, to China. So I booked a return ticket and for the month. And I, I remember selling my car and everything to, to afford it and to have a bit of money in the bank, of course. And at the time, I was making a bit of money online, like writing uh, articles and stuff and sports articles. And he was like, yeah, why not? But I had always kind of maybe planned to come back. But um, I went went over there and I, I just didn't take my return ticket. Ended up in Taiwan, in Taipei, in the middle of this crazy city. A friend hooked me up with an apartment for a couple of weeks. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, now what? And then um, 
it was quite, it was quite, I just was, just wanted the experience of just working and traveling abroad because I knew, I knew that there was a lot of English teaching jobs there. So my girlfriend went back and finished her masters and I stayed there teaching English for a couple of months. And from there, you start meeting people. You started doing a bit of design work, which is a kind of hobby of mine. And I started working and making my own money as a freelancer slash entrepreneur at that time. And yeah, we, we, we lived there for a year. Amazing city. I still miss the food and. After I left, I had the skills to be a digital nomad, I guess, you know? I think that's cool. So while you're in Ireland, you kind of picked up some work online freelance, sports writing. Bingo. How did you get into that? So, yeah. So before I went to college, I had this job as a call center, right? Uh, like, you know, those you answer 300 calls a day. And it's like, you're talking about draining. It's like, you know, people complaining about their broadband not working, right? And I took it. I didn't go to I I basically kind of left college the first time around, went off and worked for the year. And probably the best thing I ever did, you know, because you're 18, you're working, you're with adults, with children, responsibilities, and it's hardcore. Um, went back to college, did business and did three years. And after the three years, I ended up for my work experience in another call center, right? So I was like, oh my God, I'm after doing three years of college, doing everything right, allegedly. And I'm in another call center, you know? So I was like, okay, I got to start like taking my life seriously. So I started looking at other things you can do. And I found this place where I could go to football matches in Ireland, like League of Ireland matches and maybe write like reports. And basically, you know, make, it was making money online, you know, cause you're just arranging to write articles. The more articles you get, the better you write. And I enjoy, I just really, really enjoyed it. And I was, so I was already in my last year of college I was making money online, just writing articles and how you build up your referrals, connections. Can you write maybe a couple of articles on this? So I had that and I ha- it was a really good confidence thing because it was like, yeah, whatever happens, I can just get one of my clients and write a batch of articles and I get paid. Uh, when I, I, got I paid. guess this was before like Upwork was popular. No, yeah. Like Upwork became an option, I guess, like, oh, if I wanted more work but at the start it was just connections it was just like uh, you go to websites and then uh, you find a few places needing writers and stuff so it was it was before like Fiverr and Upwork and all this but yeah and uh, that was the kind of the starting point of writing and then when I was writing, I started liking designing and then I started designing and then and I started. How did you know how to design? It, it was just all, everything. Well, writing obviously was kind of natural, I guess. And I was writing about something I enjoyed. Designing was YouTube videos and a MacBook. You know, I had a MacBook. I was like, I got to use this for something MacBooky or whatever. But I started designing like apps, iPhone apps and stuff. Yeah. It was just uh, kind so of. So wait, you learned how to just like a, create an actual app? Yeah. Yeah. I was creating apps in, in Taiwan. It, that's what I was doing there for a little while where, you know, maybe there's a restaurant that does like food delivery and and it was become uh, the Taiwanese like they use lots of apps on their phones. They don't really uh, they obviously have laptops, but it's really the culture is apps at the time. This is when it was all taken off, you know, uh, two years ago. So you're creating apps in Taiwan yeah, in Chinese yeah. from learning how to program this while watching YouTube videos. Yeah. So like, okay, so it, it worked. Uh, it was it worked like. You know, like Weebly and Wix, like, so you have these kind of wrappers, right? So the actual technology was pretty much there. You don't need to create this like Uber app or this highly database driven app. It was more just like, right, this website as an app. And um, because people just didn't look at really websites there and that it was this culture of just getting apps on their phone. So I learned how to design the apps and it was so, it was quite easy because it was the same as designing like a flyer, you know, if you're doing like a nightclub flyer or anything like that, it was, it was just that, but obviously there are app screens. So it's like template, almost drag and drop. It was like the, the tech behind it, are the apps functioning where like template was actually surprisingly easy. So I was like, wow, this is so cool because then I was thinking, all you got to do now is think of cool designs to build around this and make it look really good. And they were a big fan of like the European style. So I was basically looking at pretty stuff in Europe, like really cool stuff from sites in Europe and crossing that over, you know, like as in uh, crossing over, putting like the Chinese font on it. And they really loved that. And uh, that's how I kind of got started with that. That's that's really cool. Mm. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. Did, did you ever 
have any kind of like self doubts on like maybe I can't do this, I can't learn this. Yeah, like you, you just you have that like, and the idea here is that you start every time you do something, you have that, and you break through it, and you do it. It's like that confidence boost that, like, you know, I just moved to Kiev for a new thing that I didn't even know was legit or not, you know, but. Every time you break through a self-doubt and do what you said you're going to do, it's like you're just stronger. It's like, you know, like a video game character where you just level up, level up. So like in terms of like my career is like writing, designing. Then what I said, I'd, I'd use the design skill to hook up with that guy, Julian, in the measure school. And I started like building his website and he just taught me everything he knew about analytics and data and programming, which is way over my head at the time. But I just knew that over time, if I just stayed, showed up every day and learned a little bit, I'd have this kind of skill to my bow, I guess. And yeah, it was, it was cool because now we, that's, and then it all adds up, you know, that's why I was able to come out here and being able to help straight away because I have these different skill sets with design, programming, uh, marketing technology, et cetera, and Google Sheets, et cetera. I, I like that a lot because I think a lot of people listening, you know, are starting out and they're like, yeah. well, I don't have any skills, but kind of just like you did where you take the most baseline skill of writing, you, while you do that to make a little bit of money, you learn a new skill on your own, like like the designing, and then you bring that along and then it's almost like I don't want to say you're training skills, but uh, you're absolutely like, you're giving value to someone and then they're naturally gonna want to give value back to you and you learn along the way. Absolutely. And I think like even like we're we're like it, when when you kind of, I always had like a, I wouldn't say a safety blanket. I always just created a safety blanket, and then when you take the next step, you're a little bit fearless. So I I was born lucky, I guess, by being able to speak English. So with an Irish passport, an English, and a degree, I was able to go to Taiwan and get a teaching job in seconds because they're hungry for English teachers. So I was always like, okay, if shit hits the fan, I can just teach English and make my way back up, you know. But then when I knew that, I was like, okay, I can really give this uh, designing thing a go and maybe do it half and half and see where that takes me. And then when you have the confidence that you've made money designing you're like okay what else what kind of drives it's not so much passion it's that it's more what drives you what you want to learn next i guess but it, like i had this conversation with my cousin because he's starting out and i think i think more and more people are going to be doing this really you know because there's so much more skills and trades you can do now with technology he's like actually a physio and he's kind of going through this whole journey now where he's like doing his business online from london and he's like looking at he's looking at kiev you know i told him i was going to ukraine he's like kiev question mark i was like how do you even like you know what i mean because he's looked at it he knows it's cheap etc but he's asking me for advice you know and i think now is probably the first year i'm comfortable giving advice before i'm like i'm a you know you're like i'm figuring this out i have no idea you know we most of us didn't i think when we're starting but now i'm just like look just relax do what you can do at home online you know learn it learn the ins and outs learn what you don't like learn how how it works build a very basic skill and even if it's not a lot of money it's just like the the to pay the rent, to pay the food and everything like that, build maybe a couple of months of runway or three months of runway. Like, this is sound, might sound risky to some people, but then you've already had the confidence that what you're doing is working. So you can always go back to that and then develop maybe his course, his, uh, his, his content and all this and his time to do it. It's the same with my girlfriend. She just like teaches German, but she, instead of going to Upwork and italki, like, she, she built her own website. She got her own clients and she has these steady clients. You know, wherever she goes in the world, she's talking to like a girl from Italy for two years now, you know, and she just talks and improves her German. And that's her kind of core skill. And then from there, she might like do a course or do something else in, in the space, but she has that kind of core skills she can always go back to. So if you get those core skills, you'll have the confidence to maybe try, try different things. Like, like, like McGregor with his MMA, you know? So he's like, oh, this boxing thing doesn't work out. I'll go back $100 million and beat some guys up in USC. I like it. Actually, another big, kind of lesson we can learn from Conor McGregor is he takes these big risks that almost aren't real risks. Yeah, he's, he's starting to get into my head, right? Because 
that's why that's why i'm starting to think like that you know you're like you're, you're not supposed to like i don't know i i i completely respect it you know what i mean because i think everyone starts finding meaning in their people that they like and respect you know and honestly i think he represents a lot of irish people because we're used to leaving the country and going for it you know instead of just reacting for it like you know i could easily stay at home in, in grand canary even just behind my laptop as you said you know because my work is remote but you have to have the initiative to kind of go out and get it as well, you know? It's not just about like, oh, I work for a laptop, that's all I need to do. Like taking this podcast, you know, I've, this is my, you've just taken my podcast virginity or whatever, like that. I don't know what to expect, but you, you asked me, I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, you, you just, you just roll with it. But absolutely, I think like that, yeah, sorry, I let you finish. No, no, I, that, that, I think that's amazing. And the thing about like McGregor is he's taken, so he was always, you know what I mean? Like from, from day one, in, at least in the UFC, mm-hmm. he was great. And yeah. he could have, you know, took that safe route of Absolutely. continuing to be great, being, being UFC world champion, milking that, making money, and he would have made millions of dollars, mm-hmm. which I think he already did. Yeah. But then he decided, okay, you know what? Let me take a fight with this guy who's like two weight classes above me. And if, if I win, then I can be like, I have, you know, two UFC belts. I'm the best in the world. I can beat someone even bigger than me. But then if he loses, People actually, he did lose that first yeah, fight. Yeah, he, he fought him twice. And that's then, it, that's yeah. even crazier, you know. He did it twice. He went back and he, he fought him at the same weight in the same way. Well, like was, yeah, but and, like that was insane to me. It was like the when he lost that first fight, it was almost like he had. I don't want to say he had an excuse for losing because mm-hmm. of the weight difference. Yeah. But then it was kind of like a, a almost no loss situation. It's yeah. not like he instantly lost all his fans. It's exactly. not like people are like, oh, this guy sucks. There's like, oh, okay, well, you know what. Let's give him another shot because of the weight difference. And then he happened to win that second one. And now that what he's doing with boxing, I think is a even smarter move where if he loses, I think everyone will just be like, oh, well, you know, he's not a boxer, so it's fine. But if he wins, people are like, oh my God, this guy really is the greatest. It's, it's so true. I think, I think this is kind of tracing back to that whole self doubting people starting off and it's just so alien to them, maybe working while traveling, et cetera. And I think what it is is like a lot of people, they, analysis paralysis think of all the things that go wrong it's like human nature you know to run away from that tiger and be prepared for the worst right but you should also just look at like what could go right you know what are the actual like as you said like yeah it looks like a, a risk but you know what so what like if he lost the fight he goes back and he fights 154 he still has millions if he like the May- Mayweather fight it's a no last fight he's made a hundred million dollars and he's going to go back to UFC and still be a king you know so a lot of people will be like why you can't do this because of this and this and like people and their, their heads will think of all these limitations and then it's like right the other column okay what what happens if and what happens what's the i think actually you know tim ferris i'm pretty sure every, a lot of people do in this industry but like he he has this thing where like what is the worst case scenario you know and that's that's probably when you're asking me about self-doubt and fear i always just go back to what's the worst case scenario you know as in i could always go teach in english i could always live at home for a while and work from there and save up funds or whatever you know so it's always like what's the worst case scenario and that kind of gives you that little comfort blanket that you take on the, the these additional risks so if you if you're if you're happy with the worst case scenario go for it <laughs> just go for it you know yeah i like it actually so i went on a date yesterday yeah wow and she did at first she was like she's like why are we even bother going on a date because that's the first thing she said yeah <laughs> <laughs> because she knew i was going to be leaving soon she knew oh, okay, she, you know because yeah. she's ukrainian so she knew she you know she knew I'll, i'm a digital nomad that mm. i travel and she's like what's the point of us even going on this date because and i think she even texted me saying something like something i almost need to pull it up because it's, it's like worded in this way where i'm like I never thought of it that way. Like, like, what are the the upsides and downsides of dating someone like that? So she she basically said, 
So what if we go head over heels and then two months later you moved into the country leaving nothing but emptiness inside? Wow, deep, man, deep, deep, deep. What's the word in Ireland? We call that a DMC, a deep meaningful conversation straight yeah. off the bat. And I was like, wow. I was like, I, I never thought of it that way. And so we, we went out and she, she asked me this again in person. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, it's a, like a, like a cost benefit analysis in my mind. <laughs> And I mean, cold you know, calculations, yeah. There, man. Wow. And I, but, you know, Opportunity I, cost. Yeah, it really is. And I said, like, "What's the ROI from this is, day like, right now?" I was now? like, "If this does go well, you know, and not necessarily with her, mm-hmm. but like with someone you date, right?" Yeah. So, what is the potential upside of going on a date with somebody and having everything go right? Is a lifetime of happiness. Yeah. And, it- and what is that worth? It's worth like it's, it's unlimited value, right? Absolutely. And but what is the downside? Is if it doesn't go well, maybe you wasted four hours of your time. Mm-hmm. You wasted, you know, here in Kiev it's thirty bucks, yeah, <laughs> because yeah. food is pretty cheap here. In New York, you might be wasting three hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. So maybe the that cost benefit analysis would change in New York, where mm-hmm. I, if I if it cost me three hundred dollars to go out on a on every date in New York, I'd probably be thinking. You know what? I don't know if this lifetime of happiness is, is it puts a lot. It puts a lot of pressure on every day from the off, right? People yeah. just sweating at the bill coming before it even starts. But uh, that's quite funny, actually. So, but I was like, okay, you know, potentially waste some money, some time, and then maybe even some heartbreak, right? Like if it doesn't go well or she turns out to, you know, to like, you know, uh, have alter motives or whatever, it could be some heartbreak. Mm-hmm. But the upside is unlimited lifetime happiness. <laughs> did you did you say this? I said there? that to her. Man, you, yeah, it sounds, it sounds good. You're swooning me right now, Johnny. <laughs> it's like, good. It's a good, quick answer. Well, I suppose you're time to think about it from the original text. But yeah, like it's it's a hundred percent true. Like again, it's I think people, um, everyone, it's just a, it's again built into like our human makeup that we're amazing at future visioning problems. You know, we're, like it's like we're. We have this prefrontal cortex that we can imagine the future, right? And by default, we kind of imagine all the problems. What if I fail this exam? What if I don't get a job? What if I lose my job and stuff like this? And also, even if they have plans, you know, they have like three months or four months of plans. They're like, hey, this doesn't fit into my plans. So why, why bother? But the other, the other thing is like, all the other things that are going to happen on the way that will probably eradicate those problems, you know, as in if it's the idea of like, what, what's the one thing you can do today that'll get rid of all the other things you're worrying about, you know? So it's like people don't think about, yeah, and if that happens, then we're madly in love and uh, we've like two months together that we loved and then afterwards we probably figure something else out, you know? So it's like they think of just like, oh, it's all over and it's all dead. I almost um, think this is the bring real... back to relationships, but yeah. it's a digital nomad podcast, right? No, well, I mean, it's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, I almost think that with both relationships and with, let's say, startups, it's almost better when you're a bit young and naive. Mm-hmm. You can't be so, I mean, yeah. Let, let's say people are like in their 20s, right? A young, you know, early something or mid-something startup founder mm-hmm. or somebody who's in their early 20s going on dating, they're just thinking about this big idea of lifetime happiness or this, you know, groundbreaking new new app that's going to change the world, that's going to disrupt industries. And they're just looking at this big goal. They're like, let's do it. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> While people that are a bit older, let's say mid thirties or forties or fifties, mm-hmm. we still have kind of this goal, but we're like, ah, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe it won't be as great as, you know, as grand as we think it, it'll be. And not only do we have that big goal kind of diminished in a little bit in our, in our minds, but also we start thinking about all the problems and potential downsides of it. And that's why I think it's so much harder for someone the older we get. To kind of kind of have that nativity of of excitement and just going for it. 
And I think that hurts us. It's yeah, it, and, and again, because a lot of those fears are unfounded, and it's just like people think they learn from experiences, and you should, and hopefully try to. But a lot of people don't learn properly. You know, they just think, "Oh, this went bad. Maybe it didn't go as bad as they think, or maybe they weren't in a position to think of the the benefits from it at the time. If you get hurt, or or if a business doesn't work, you know, it's all winner. Like it's the whole. Do you really fail if you learn so much that like the next business you do is twice as big as the other business was ever going to be, and things like this, you know? And it's just like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of scary because I'm only 20, 26, right? So if you're selling to me, um, I'm going to get more, more fearful, I guess. It's something to watch out for. But yeah, like I, I, I like I never had this whole, this whole, I think, uh, listen to your podcast. You, you introduced yourself that you were in San Francisco. Was it LA or San Francisco? And you kind of, you were enjoying life. You had a good life. And then you left and just said, okay, I want something different, you know? And I am, I respect that because you actually had like the, the life or the, the kind of the goals or the targets other people were aiming for. But like in my naivety, like, I came straight out from college, living with like six, seven guys, you know, living on cheap food and, you know, like living on a budget. And I think one thing I did is I never kind of left that for the first couple of years. You know, I kind of continued that college lifestyle. So I was able to live cheap. I was able to get by. I was able to not expect to be making lots and lots of money or whatever. And that's maybe naive looking back, but it was like, it was nice. It was raw. It was like, I wasn't, oh, why don't you have this and that and this? And, but then I was like, yeah, but you have mortgages. You have, uh, you have loans to pay. And then all these things are just weighing you down that you can't just pack you, pack up and leave sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a thing that, the childlike mentality a little bit of just going for it you know when a child learns to walk it's like a big thing it's just learning to walk and just not being scared of it everyone can learn that i think yeah definitely and i think you know ultimately it's it's the balance of the two right because on one hand you you don't want to be childlike delusional and not have any kind of plan or or backup you know and on the other, but on the other side, you don't want to. It's like a car, right? It's like you're, like you're a Ferrari, much, yeah. like driving 150 kilometers an hour, right? But then you're like, right, if I drive 150 kilometers, I'm just going to crash, right? So, um, but I'm not going to drive like a, like a polo and just like be chugging along. So as you get older, you just learn how to drive your own brain, your own car a little bit better so that you're like streamlining it. You're, you're chilling. You're, you're going where you want to go and you're looking out for everything. You're like, you're looking out for these warning things that happened in the past, but you're also not scared maybe as you would be because it's a balance. You got, yeah, with more experience, you have more connections, you have more people. You've talked to more people who've had problems and stuff, you know? So it's like, um, yeah, it's, it's just learning how to drive, I guess, you know? I like it. So you're, you're in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. You designing apps in yeah. Chinese. Yeah. I'm assuming you don't speak Chinese. Oh, uh, mama hu hu, no, mama hu hu, no. So the first thing I tried to do is that was share like Um The first thing I learned to do, I don't speak Chinese. Why <laughs> no, um, The first thing I tried to do is just make them laugh in the language, and then you sort it. You know, so every time, like I learned like little bits, you know, introduction. I have a Chinese name, which is really cool. Like, What's Chinese name? Le Jonwei. Le Jonwei. Le Jonwei. Le Jonwei. What does that mean? It'll be it'll be in the the notes, right? Oh, do you know, they were asking me what I want. Like you had to choose to, to register as a person and everything. And I wanted to be called like Tiger Dragon or something like from a Kung Fu movie. It was a bit weird. Um, but I, I think I ended up taking my mother's. So, you know, like my name's William McGuire. My, McGuire would be my, my dad's second name. So I ended up taking my mother's second name. So it was like William Randall, you know? So it was like, and that was, uh, ended up being my name. But, uh, yeah, how, how did we get on to, oh yeah. So you, you, you know, in life you have the same conversations every time you meet a business person or a pro- prospect. Like I had a friend there who would do the translating, of course, but he'd go to the same consult, same 
pitcher same intro and they'd be always say, like, oh do you speak chinese and i'd be like mama who and they'd all just start laughing and then it's just like broke the ice with every conversation so i just had that line to go back to every time that, that means muscle manos for you spanish manos, like so so right so so i just thought it was such it when someone told me that i was like oh that's so funny mama who yeah. or i, I guess <laughs> I, sh- sh- i'm sure there's a lot of people that don't speak mandarin or spanish so it yeah, means yeah. more or less sh- 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 a little bit yeah exactly yeah, more or less and i'm obviously no and i'm but no yeah, you, you yeah i learned how to say thank you you know your, your manners and yeah but it was, I didn't, I don't speak Chinese, no. Okay. So how did you go from building these apps to kind of where you are now? Like what, what were the, like what was after that? Yeah. So, so when I say building apps, again, like these were designing kind of apps that were wrappers. And I suppose that's building at the same time. Like when you build a website in Weebly or Wix, you're, you're building a website, but it, it was mainly like designing wallpapers, honestly, and icons and stuff and learning how that process works. Right. And once that was a much, value much more valuable skill you can imagine in writing because at that time then writing and upwork and all these things started taking off and you could basically hire writers for dirt cheap and they, they didn't last long but that's the culture at the time and it's not like i could go to many football matches in taiwan right but after that i kind of got a bit anxious honestly that well i have like re- clients and relationships in taiwan but like i don't want to spend my whole 20s in taiwan it was meant to be a bit of a pit stop and uh, me and my girlfriend were be like wow we're going to spend the next three or four years in taiwan we didn't even you know think about this but i realized with the skills i had i was like hey i know how to get clients online and stuff i now have better skills like i can design apps and if i can design an app i can design a landing page like insta page it wasn't that much different you know so i, I went i started doing a whole cliche go to bali for a month wow this is amazing because taipei is such a crazy busy city but bali is so chill and you're like this is so nice like i love it and then i went back to taipei and then from there i was like okay we're, we're going to go on this whole eat pray love travel to these countries journey and we went to Chiang Mai. So we went to Bali, Ubud, absolutely amazing for a month, loved it. And we then went to, and then went back and then I started digital nomading. So we went to Chiang Mai and Krabi. And, How long were you time for? Both three, like probably six months, the whole Bali, Taiwan. Then was, I started traveling Taiwan itself, which is an absolutely beautiful island. So much to do there as well. And like being, being digital nomad, I guess in Taiwan and then to Chiang Mai then for the last three months. So it's been two months in Chiang Mai and then maybe a month going to Krabi and Bangkok and all these other little hotspots, you know. Well, you were in Chiang Mai, right? Yeah, for a long time. Love it, love what, what are it. your thoughts on Thailand versus Bali for being a digital nomad? So, so Chiang Mai was where I really started becoming a digital nomad. So I had clients, like, I was kind of like, again, I was like had balancing my bets, I guess. I had like a client in Taiwan and I was still kind of finishing off the project. So I still had a bit of money to kind of pay the bills. And then I started kind of full on, like getting clients online in Chiang Mai. And well, what do you think that was? Mm-hmm. Do you think it was just a better environment to, to work in Chiang Mai? Chiang Mai? Yeah. yeah, because because of the, the scene, I guess. But it, honestly, I didn't know before going. And it was like a scary decision because they didn't have any public transport and stuff. But I, I'd learned to drive a scooter in Bali because you have to. So I was like, um, I could drive a scooter. So now I was like, oh, I can just go to all these other little cities that don't have public transport. And it's easier to get around, you know. But I actually, the time I went to Chiang Mai, I was actually kind of experienced by that stage of going to a new country. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out the problems up front. Like, where do I stay? Where's the good place to stay? Because it's such a big difference as well. You know, where should I eat? Where should I buy my food? Where should I get the scooter? And different things like that. I went on to site called Nomad List or hashtag Nomads and it was all laid out. Yeah, I went to Chiang Mai. I lived in Green Hill Place, you know, beside Maya, by Maya Shopping Center. And it was just like, everything's like taken care of, right? It's like your mind is just free. Like, you know, you have a cleaner for like four or five dollars or something comes in, does your apartment. You have like your laundry is really easy. It's like a present every time it gets done. You li- We lived right beside a shopping center, but the shopping center cooked all the good food so you didn't even have to cook your food like it was like you could go to like oh the food man 
oh, I'm getting hungry right now. Like Salad Concept, Beast Burger, all these amazing restaurants. So then it was like all these other things were high quality. You loved them, the massages. And then it was just like you had all these working spaces. And it's like your mind was free because you're like, you're, you're enjoying life. There's there's cool people there. I, I speak to a Dutch people there. They were like, they, they had money to live anywhere, but they're like, here is like, their mind is free to work, you know, their mind is free to, to take on the challenges that work gives them and not be like distracted by all these menial challenges that they, they just don't need to be thinking about if they're building a business, you know, like if you're, if you're just working a standard job, you go in every day, and you know what you're facing, like life challenges seem like, oh, everyone, they're easy, but if business is hard, you know, you're facing problems and fires every single day. So when you add that then to like all this other stuff that can happen around you, it gets a lot harder. And did you, do you, do you enjoy it yourself? Yeah. I like, and I actually agree a lot with you where I think Bali was good for vacation. Mm-hmm. Ching Mai. The internet Bali isn't great, right? It's like, it's always a bit like uh, anxiety where it drops in and drops out sometimes. I think almost yeah. everything in Bali has been anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Around. Exactly. Yeah. It's a crazy but, place to learn how to drive a scooter. <laughs> yeah, very dangerous place. Like, yeah, a yeah. lot of people get accidents there. Yeah, oh my god! Like and way and more than my, Like you always think about these things like are dangerous, right? And afterwards you realize, oh, that was dangerous. You know, like I was things like plane. I remember getting on a plane in China, thinking, oh, this is dangerous, like a dodgy plane. Man, drive like I put then when I was doing scooter. Like I had a, I did have a bad scooter accident actually. But um, when you drive like driving scooters in Chiang Mai is probably the dangerousest thing. Like and you know because there's such bad traffic history there and everything like that. But it becomes. You don't, it goes over your head when you're there, but coming back out, you're like, whoa, it's putting my life at naivety again, right? Well, I, I definitely think that Chiang Mai, as you said, is a great place to kind of put your head down, build a business and bootstrap mm-hmm. because not only is it cheap, but also what you mentioned about all your needs kind of being taken care of. Yeah. So you can just focus on your business. It's, and, it's not like in a, in a lazy, privileged way or whatever. It's actually like just, simple like really simple things that even everything just, just works, the food the, like the, you go to one little street and all the amazing restaurants are there right you're not like traveling all around the city like I remember Berlin I love Berlin but it's like every time I wanted to meet my friends for soccer or whatever like football like I had to get on an hour and a half Uban meet them for an hour and a half and then another hour and a half back and it was just like that would take up so much time of your day and when you're just starting out and like every hour is worth so much money to you it's just like you just got to learn how to use that time really wisely you know? I, I definitely agree so if you guys want to come to Chiang Mai Check out my blog, johnnyft.com slash Mai. Yeah. And I probably, I probably did check it out, honestly, before I go. Cause again, like, that's when I, before I learned podcasts, you know, you start reading so much. The thing with Chiang Mai is that a lot of people start doing that then, you know, they start putting out content. You've been doing this a lot longer than like, a lot of other people, but they start like, that's their first hotspot. And what are they going to be? They're going to be like a travel blogger, you know? So you see all this stuff in Chiang Mai, but yeah, it's like things like finding the workspaces, things like, you know, how to do the meetups and everything like that. It's invaluable, you know, learning yeah. that before you go. And it's all there. So I'm very curious. Why you went to Grand Canary? Where is Grand Canary? All right, and what, it's, what are the it's a funny story. So we 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 after Thailand and after doing that whole travel, we went back home. And my girlfriend went to Germany. I went home to Ireland for a couple of months. And we're like, where do we, what will you do next? Like, will you get like standard jobs and stuff like that? At that stage, I actually had a kind of online uh, apprenticeship, I guess. I was working with uh, with a colleague, but she was like, will I get a job? Will I do a bit more traveling or whatever? But we kind of took a middle road where we went to Berlin and I was still like uh, location independent and she kind of got a, a job in Berlin, right? That she wasn't really happy with. And I, I, I absolutely loved Berlin. Like I went in there and I was just like straight off, I was going meeting people, the re- big tech startup scene, football matches. And it was, I just really loved the city for the, the time I was there and but it was very hard to get a we had a, like a three month Airbnb or whatever but it was very hard to get in a lockdown a 12 month contract house there's a lot of re- degeneration it was like people renting out their house to Airbnb and issues like that but it was quite funny so my girlfriend was coming home from work and she go to the library and she was learning Spanish she's massively into learning languages and she came home one day with like 10 Spanish books you know and I was like doing like this whole cost benefit analysis, like, right, all you want to do right now is learn Spanish. You know, she's, she's after learning English, she's learning German, she, she speaks a few languages. 
and I was like, you're 10 Spanish books, right? You're making like okay money for the house, but like not so much, like basically money that we're spending just to live in Berlin. You know what I mean? And then we're looking at, we had a nice place, but then it was like, the next place isn't going to be as nice as this. And we're just going to be spending money just to have this place to keep doing what we're doing. I felt like spinning wheels a little bit, you know? So it was like, like we can, I had enough income to get us started somewhere else. And I was like, yeah, we, we, so actually what I just did is I went on the laptop and I looked up best places to live in Europe, first of all. And then Gran Canaria was there. Las Palmas city was there. And yeah, I was just like Spanish speaking, you're learning Spanish. It's, you know, 7% tax. It was so cheap. It was like, we're actually going to make money going over there. We're not going to like lose money, even if like we didn't have that income at the start. Like she knew how to make money online with the teaching. So we're actually going to be the costs up uh, going over there and live in this amazing island and just see what it's like for you again not like saying oh we're going to live there forever just see what it's like you know so yeah that, that's how we i just googled the best place to live in europe because that's the other thing being european the thailand thing was always a bit annoying but the visa and the taiwan was as well you also had to do these like visa trips which is what we did for the traveling that's why we went to bali for these like 90 day visa trips but we didn't have to worry about that if we stuck to europe but like canary islands is like off West Africa. So it's like, like, it's not in Europe really. It's like off West Africa, but it's obviously belonging to the, the, to Spain. And we got there. Like the sole aim was to learn Spanish over the year. I was like, even if like we don't work, right? If we learn Spanish, that learning Spanish is going to open up a whole nother world. You know, if, if you think like some people think, Oh, my career won't develop. It's like, if you learn a new language, that's going to five X your career, you know, your, your value to an industry. But yeah, we went over there and haven't looked back. Absolutely, absolutely loved the place. Even this move to Kiev, like we were keeping an apartment and we're happy residents of Gran Canaria. You know, I just Googled where Gran Canaria is. Yeah, right. And I had no idea that but, it but look, is. Look where Ireland is, right? It's actually the next island down from Ireland. So it's like a nice, little easy flight from me home. Uh, it's only a hundred euro flight from me home, even though it's like off the center of the world. So technically it's the, the next island down from Ireland. Yeah, yeah I'm going to claim that. That's passing France, Spain, Portugal, Morocco. Yeah, just a lot of water, right? So safe landing if you crash. So yeah. I assumed that Gran Canary was near like Palma de Mallorca. You, oh, you, you got it there, man. It's like, it's, 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 it's known as a continent on an island. So like there's different weather atmospheres. It's crazy up, up, south, up, down south. It's like tropical, up north, it's subtropical. Um, and then there's actually four, there's seven islands in total, but four major ones. Tenerife, Gran Canaria, Lanzarote, and Lanzarote, I have to speak Spanish, I guess. And then, um, Fort, Fort Ventura. And yeah, it's just, there's so much to do. I've only been to Lanzarote and Gran Canaria and now I'm still like excited about going to the other two islands. And a lot of people I met there, a lot of people I met in Berlin and Chiang Mai were always passing through, you know, oh, you just got here or you're just leaving, you know. But the thing in Las Palmas, I started chatting with people and they're like, oh, yeah, we came here 10 years ago, only for a year or a holiday and we just never left, you know. So it was like a different vibe. So to clarify, Las Palmas and Gran Canary is the same place. Yeah, Las Palmas is actually the capital city of Gran Canaria. Like the whole population, Gran Canaria is like 800,000 maybe. Like give it a push, 770 or something. And then Las Palmas is like the majority of that, you know, like 600,000. And it's like the capital city of the Canary Islands. You know? Okay, that makes sense. And it is nowhere near Spain. It's actually yeah, it, closer no. to... It's Western Sahara. It's like east of Algeria and Morocco. Absolutely. Off of, yeah. off of but the, the flights and everything are cheap. Like it, they get like, obviously being so remote and being so part of Europe, they get a lot of like discounts and they want, they want digital workers there. They want people to go into the island and not just be this tourist island. They want people to like, you know, hire maybe a few people there and they're really promoting that. And that's like kind of nice. I also maybe I didn't, it's probably not true, but I also in Thailand, like, 
I'm a tourist, but I'm working here. You know, it's a bit uncomfortable. But in Grand Canaria, it's like there's workspaces popping up. There's like this culture of all oh, these guys are coming in. They're adding. There's like the covering in the news and everything. And I just really uh, there's a really good vibe there. To be honest, yeah. I like it. I've actually heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah. I have two friends that it's are happening. on it's their this... way there right now. Yeah, yeah. Marta and Christian. Yeah, you know and, yeah that's funny because uh, my friend, my, my my girlfriend's good friends with Marta. They okay. they hung out a lot over there actually originally. And uh, we're after thinking of uh, Marta. If you're listening to this, we have a Airbnb because you might come over here. But no, yeah, my. My friends, I met them over there, and they were in Grand Canary before. But you can see that they always head back, right? Yeah. So they're heading back. They, they said it's one of the, the greatest places. They've been there from Poland. And that's and crazy they, as well, yeah. isn't it? That even that you're able to just spot two because I was talking to your friend Chris, Christopher, I think, yeah. yesterday, that you're able to just throw two names up there. And it's like, oh, I already, already met them. So it's yeah. like you're, you're around the world. but you're And this is what's somebody. amazing about this lifestyle. Yeah, being yeah. Digital matter being location-dependent, we just keep meeting people all around the world and just meeting up again yeah it's so cool even just to jump into the conversations about the different places that it's always like you know sometimes you're like, what's their thing you know it's like everyone has different things right but sometimes it takes that layer to figure out what's that, that person thing but you i know sort of way oh you've been to this place what did you think of this restaurant and it's like you always have this like interesting idea of what do they think of this place or some people prefer Chiang Mai, some people prefer bangkok because it's so bustly you know so do you prefer grand canary Chiang Mai? Oh yeah, it, like honestly, we, me and my girlfriend like we we have like cravings for the Chiang Mai food. We were thinking of like, oh, just rent this place out in Airbnb and go back to Chiang Mai for two months just to eat, <laughs> just to eat, you know, not work. <laughs> but I think yeah, we every every day wake up in Las Palmas. Like I was genuinely grateful. I was just like, this is such a beautiful place. There's palm trees everywhere. We lived on the beach. We had like swimming. I was getting more fitter and everything like that. And I was just really enjoying life and. Yeah, you, you start thinking, what was the thing that drives me? Like, I came here for like a business opportunity or working and exciting work, you know, but I came here really happy because I knew I had a place that I really loved, you know, so that made me feel like, hey, this doesn't work out. It's just business. It's just work, you know, but I, it's not like I lost my home. I have my home. I know where I am. So I can go to Kiev. I can stay here maybe two or three months or however long it takes. But it's like, I know that when I'm done, I have a place to go back to, you know, and it, the rent is, is reasonable. Definitely. It's, it's probably comparable to Kiev in pricing from what I've seen so far. Because 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 the income isn't great, like the average income is like well, it's it's higher than here, but it's like a thousand euros would be really good income over there a month, you know. I like it. Well, I would love to talk to you all day about Grand Canary. Yeah, I know you got to get back to to work. Soon. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna get in trouble. Yeah, 20, twenty minute chat. There's gonna be some serious editing done in this, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what, what what's the website of the business that you work? Yeah. On so now? right now, um, we're part, uh, me, my friend, co-founded at uh, the eight seven sixty. This is marketing for blockchain. So I'm not sure there's many blockchain enthusiasts there, but um, I like to just shout out to two websites if you don't mind. Uh, one is uh, my mentor and really great friend Julian MeasureSchool.com, and that's basically everything it needs to be like a data-driven technical marketer, which is a very, very needed uh, career path right now and lucrative if anyone's interested in doing that. So check out measureschool.com. And another one is deutschmeer.com. I'll spell that one for you. But that's a microphone site where she teaches German, which is also a, a great site. <laughs> very cool. Plug there. And yeah, there you go. So Sharing love. The, the project you're working on with, with our friend Shadi mm-hmm. is the 76 the, no, the eight, eight, seven, eight, six, zero. Six, zero. Uh, it's actually how many hours is in a year. So oh, we, wow. we, we started this like last year, just like as a kind of like team to keep ourselves and motivated because we we're trying to like up our skill sets, up our career and just do try different businesses out. So we didn't even have a, a reason the business exists, but he, he had the name 8760. Um, and he's doing like medium blog posts at the time, but kind of dropped. And then this opportunity came out and he already had a ready made name. So it's the 8760. Yeah. I, I, there's no need to, I plug it too hard because I don't think it's, it's, it's quite niche but definitely shout out to measureschool.com if anyone's interested in learning some of the skills needed to be a technical marketer okay very cool 
And you know what? I think it'd be cool to have Shadi on on the, the podcast. Yeah, show. he's just anyone listening to this, he's dead jealous that uh, you interviewed me first, right? <laughs> but it's just the Irish charm. You just get in there <laughs> quite early. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know I know Bitcoin and the crypto is, is getting huge. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more about it, but at the same time I think it's it's one of those vert it's like the, those rabbit holes. And yeah, I think that was yeah. my thing. I was always a bit like yourself where, oh this looks really cool, but I have work to do. But now I feel like, oh, my work now and that's a cool thing. When you build up the skills, you can go, okay, now these skills where do i apply them you know where do i want to actually work in and i was like okay i have these skills it's the same as working with any other business in some some regards and i'm at least i get to learn about the the business and industry while i'm here and just use the skills i already already learned i love it so if you guys learned anything from this podcast it is start with your base skills level up from there don't be afraid to take some risks uh if people want to reach out to you are you on social media or anything not really. I, it's another thing. I kind of took a break from Facebook uh, to focus on my own life instead of putting pictures of it all the time a little bit. But I'm on Twitter. It's just one WMCG. So I'm probably going to start trying to use that a little bit more. But yeah, that's it pretty much. Very cool. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate sure. it, man. Really good chat. All right. See you guys next week. Bye-bye. Man, there was a ton of information in that interview. I really enjoyed talking to William. And I hope you listened. You enjoyed listening because I know there was a ton of info. We're going to have to talk more uh, about Grand Canary because I'm excited about it. I'm stoked about checking out a new place. And if you guys are stoked about coming to Chiang Mai, I'm very excited to announce that the 2018 Nomad Summit tickets are officially released. So you can get the pre-order sale uh, right now. Just go to nomadsummit.com slash tickets or just go to nomadsummit.com and click on tickets and you can get discount early bird special tickets there and i hope i'll see all of you guys there i I think it'd be really fun i also want to give a big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these amazing five-star reviews of the podcast on itunes and on other places wherever you listened uh, to the show without you we would not be able to continue growing and getting you know basically ranking so high for people to find it like william did when he wanted to travel out here to kiev so big thank you to uh, let's say Fraggle Rock 420. He says, I'm so glad I found this. Johnny is the man, brings great guests and asks really good questions. The podcast provides funny and most importantly, actionable advice for the aspiring e-commerce entrepreneur. Five stars. Thank you, Fraggle Rock. And if you want to book your flights to Grand Canary, Kiev, or uh, any of the other places that we've mentioned, maybe to Ireland to watch the Conor McGregor fight, Go to tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss and you can find all your flights in the way you like to book flights and the way that you like to fly, customizable, red-eye flights, lay-down seats, whatever you enjoy there. So thanks again to our sponsor, tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. I'll see all of you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, Join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.